Welcome to Minority Landlords Podcast, your manual to financial freedom. Are you looking to escape the nine to five rat race? Do you want to earn passive income while building generational wealth for you and your family and don't know how to get started? Well, you're at the right place. Here at Minority Landlords, we're here to help educate minorities about real estate investing. And now your host, Pepe Amoti. Hello guys, this is your host Pepe with the second episode of Minority Landlords Podcast. Thank you, thank you so much for tuning back in. I'm super psyched for this new episode. Today we will be covering the very basics on how to get started in real estate. This episode will be centered and focused on education, credits, real estate agents, loan officers, where to find properties, the significance of location, rent estimates, and many, many more juicy, important stuff. So buckle up so we can dive in this together. It will be a lot, a lot of things going on. So there'll be, a, there, I mean, there'll be a lot of information thrown at you all folks. So get your pen and paper and let's get to this, right? So first and very important point is education. I recommend you all to at least read one how to get started in real estate book before you get started so that you have an idea of what you are getting yourself into. I'm not getting paid to say this, but one book I always recommend to folks is Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. The book absolutely changed my life, hence why I always recommend it, because I believe the concepts covered in the book can change everyone's life. I will not spoil it for you folks, but all I've got to say is that the book will sharpen your mind about investing and money. You will learn how financial education is actually your greatest asset. And frankly, that's where we here at Minority Landlords come and play, giving you folks absolutely free financial education. So make sure you don't take that for granted. If you don't want to get, get real estate education through us, there's a bunch of other free resources out there too. But just please, please, I beg you, don't pay gurus or some wannabe financial advisors that you see on YouTube ads and whatnot. Because quite frankly, most of these stuff are favorable. You don't have to pay. You don't need to pay somebody in order to get this kind of education. We're in an age where every information you need is out there. A click of a, of a button. So take advantage of that. Financial education is your greatest asset than even money. That's why you hear the most successful people in this planet who read several books every month, right? Now ask yourself, how many books have you read this year? Most will say nothing, zero. You need to start reading, folks. You need to read, listen, and spend time obtaining financial education. And trust me, it will change your life. Other lessons you, you, you learn from the book is how to make your money work for you rather than you having to work for money like majority of us do in our 9 to 5 jobs. You get to learn the difference between assets and liabilities and many, many more lessons. So yeah, I really recommend that book. Another book I recommend that changed my life, though it's not real estate related, The Power of Positive Thinking by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Great, great mindset book because at the end of the day, you need to get your mindset right as well. Second thing is to build your credit, folks. Lenders to look at your credit score in order for them to determine how likely you are to repay the loan. 
The credit score is very, very crucial when starting, but don't make that stop you though. You can get an FHA loan, which is a government-backed loan with literally a FICO score of 580. That's very low, right? Most folks won't tell you that, but yeah, it's possible. That's their bare minimum interest to qualify for the FHA loan. FICO, if you ask me what's FICO, FICO is basically a credit score created by the Fair Isaac Corporation. Usually the score ranges from 300 to 850, with 300 to 579 being poor, 580 to 669 being fair, 670 to 799 being very good, and 800 to 850 being exceptional. I recommend you guys having a credit score of at least 670 plus and not that 580 minimum required for FHA. The reason is because even though 580 credit score can qualify you for the mortgage, your interest rates will be very high. So make sure your credit score is decent enough, at least 670 in order to not end up with a high interest rate. When I personally got my first deal, my credit score was around 650. But that's pretty low, right? But I didn't let the credit to deter me from getting started, even though I was told my interest rate was going to be higher than usual. So try to get your credit up just a little bit. It's not too hard to get your credit score to that 670 level. If you do not know what your credit score is, I would suggest after listening to this podcast, this episode, please go sign up for Credit Karma to check your credit score. Credit Karma is a great resource. It provides, they, they provide TransUnion and scores. They, they, they are not super accurate, just so you know, keep, it, keep that in mind. Credit Karma is not super accurate. Most of the times, Credit Karma is, is a little high by 5 to 10 points. But it's a great start for you to have an idea of where you are at roughly and what your learning options will be. Also, please keep in mind that obtaining a mortgage, they look at the middle FICO score to be exact, right? They look at the middle FICO score. You might be like, Pepe, what does that mean? So let's say, for instance, your credit gets pulled and you receive a 675 score from Equifax, 760 from TransUnion, and 700 from Experian. Your middle score of 700 will be the score that they will base your pre-approval and all the lending aspects of things on. They won't go by 760, which is the highest, but rather they'll go with the middle one. They won't even go for the lowest. They'll go the middle one, which in this case, between 675, 700, and 760, they'll go with the 700. Don't ask me why. I wish they would just go with the highest score, right? But that's, that's how they do it. It is what it is. So pay close attention to your credit score, folks. If you have no credit, open a credit card account through your bank and start using it and paying it off every month to grow your credit. Please, please, I would suggest this one. Please do not get those store credit cards. If you do, do not get many of them. Just get one or two. Don't get a bunch of store, store credit card. That's one of the major things that actually messed up my credit, my, my credit back when I was in high school. I would get them to save 10, 20, 30% of my purchase at, uh, uh, at the mall, but it ended up biting me and tremendously lowered my, my, my credit score. Since every time 
they open a new account every time they open a new account your credit your credit goes down so don't just open credit card accounts because it will increase what is called the amount of inquiries you have on your account i believe zero to two inquiries is good three to four is fair and five plus put you in a red zone which can lower your score in my case, I had more than 10 inquiries, which was really awful. So, Pepe, once I open up a credit card account to start building credit, what should I do? You might be asking yourself that. Well, monitor and make sure that you pay it off every single month to ensure that the late payments do not lower your credit score. Because keep in mind, timely payments makes up a huge part of your credit. Right? Credit card utilization, let's say if this month your reported amount used increased from $100 to $200, your utilization will go up and lower your credit by a few points. That makes a pretty short impact, but once you pay it off, it goes back to normal. So try to make sure that you pay it, you are paying your, your bills and your, your, your credit card bills on time. The other thing I want to touch on is collections. Those are very, very bad. Please try your best to not have any of your stuff go into collections. That is a pain, all right? The other factor that affects your credit is also credit age. Collection, just back to collection actually affects your credit way, way, way higher than pretty much anything else, all right? And then credit age has a medium impact, but please make sure you start building right now if you haven't started so that you show lenders that you've been responsible for paying off your debt. I don't care if you are 18 years old or 40 years old, just start now so it's not too late. There you have it, folks. A very high-level overview about credit scores and how important it is. I will discuss more sometimes in the future and have an entire episode focused just on credit and credit score. All right. Third thing, find a good agent. Once you've got some education from here and elsewhere, you know your credit, where your credit stands. Now you need to find an agent to discuss your options with whatever amount of money you have ready to invest. Finding a good agent is very, very crucial in this business. Also, just keep in mind, you personally do not pay an agent to close on a deal. They get paid by the seller. So I recommend talking to a family and friends first to see who they've used prior and ask them about the experience. If you receive positive feedback, then have a call with the agent and talk to them about what you are looking for if you already know or ask them about your options based on your financial situation. I would suggest you know exactly what you want first before going to the agent. If you don't know people who've made a purchase recently, then go on Zillow and find an agent there. Just go on Zillow, read reviews, and make sure they have a lot of positive reviewers and then just call them. Personally, I prefer part-time agents who have another job or are investors themselves, not full-time agents. No offense to full-time agents out there, but from my personal experience, most part-time agents will not rush you into buying just any junk out there, right? They will let you take your time to ensure that you are buying something good since they have other sources of income anyway so they do not care to rush you so they can pay their monthly bills again i said some some is the key word here 
some full-time agents tend to rush people because they're depending on your commission to make a living. So yeah, try finding a part-time agent. If not, if not, then a full-time agent is good, but please do your due diligence and make sure they are good. The whole thing about agents rushing folks can be pretty bad, especially for you folks who are just trying to get started and you don't know anything. You need an agent who will be there holding your hands and helping you throughout the process. So you don't need somebody who will just like try to rush you so they could get their commission. Right. So do your due diligence if the agent gives you any red flags such as rushing you to buy just any junk and whatnot dump them and find another agent there's a lot of great agents out there but there's also a lot of bad bad agents again if they give you any red signs just get rid of them a good agent should one be patient they should be patient Two, they should be responsive. You'll be surprised how many agents out there do not respond or take their, or, or they just take their sweet time to respond. I don't care how busy they are. If they do not get back to you in 48 hours, move on. A good agent will respond back to you in a reasonable amount of time or at least refer you to their colleague to help you out if they're busy. It took me a while to find a good agent. So, Make sure that if they are not responsive, just get rid of them and find somebody who's hungry and have hunger to like, you know, to, to help investors. Third point, make sure the agent is able to negotiate. <laughs> You'd be surprised a lot of agents out there have zero negotiation skills. No good. Any sign of that in your agent, get rid of them. Four, they should have teaching skills. They should teach you and, and and let you understand the process, especially you first-time home buyers. So if they can't do that, get rid of them. Five, they should be able to understand the market. The agent should be able to understand their market. Like, duh, you'd be surprised there's, there are agents out there with no clue whatsoever about their market. If they don't know anything about their market, how can they help you? How can they help when when we we know that the lo location is very crucial in this business any sign of this get rid of them six they should be honest if they're on if they're not honest enough to tell you yada yada if a deal sucks they're a bad agent i've went to open houses where the home is just so horrible and my agent is like oh my god like why are they like this home is in a horrible shape and then we like look over there and there's this agent try to talk these these like new new investors or new homeowners oh this is such a great house great house you need to get rid of them any any sign of your agents not being honest get rid of them so to find a good agent these these are some of the six qualities you should really look once you find that agent that you really want and if you know your criteria already just tell them if you don't know let them know and they should be able to educate you on the different asset classes processes location and whatnot the agent should also have connection with the lenders they've used lawyers inspectors and all those folks that should help you guys throughout the transaction phase you can use whomever your agent recommends, but if you don't like them or if you just want to get your own folks, just 
Google them and read reviews and you should be able to find somebody good. All right. The other fourth point I want to touch on is loan officers or mortgage brokers. The loan officer's job is basically to help you make a good financial decision and assist you in obtaining a mortgage loan. Their job is basically to guide you while comparing different loan products from different lenders to ensure that you are getting the best rates and fair fees. Your loan officer will also help you run your credit, your financials, and give you a pre-approval letter. This basically, the pre-approval letter basically says how much you can borrow. Once you know how much you are able to borrow, then go look for properties in that price range. Since I'm simplifying for beginners, make sure your loan officer tells you about FHA, like in the military, veteran, whatever, make sure they tell about VA loan. Because those are the areas where you will get very low down payment or even none with the VA loans. Right. I'll, I'll try to stick to FHA since like most of us out there are not veterans. So if you're a veteran, make sure they tell you about the VA loans, which most of you folks should know. But in this case, make sure they tell you guys about FHA. That's why you only need a 3.5% down payment and literally, as I said earlier, a 580 credit score to be able to purchase a one to four unit property. Meaning that if the property costs $300,000, you only need you only need to put down a down payment of ten thousand five hundred dollars. If it costs two hundred thousand dollars, you only need seven thousand dollars down payment. If it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you only need to put five thousand two hundred fifty dollars. If you're a veteran, like I said, you can get a VA loan with a zero percent down payment. So please keep in mind, though, one thing you guys have to know. A lot of gurus out there just tell you guys, oh yeah, you can get it for 3.5% down payment or 0% down payment. But they're not telling you all the other additional costs. So please keep in mind, in addition to the down payment, there's a few other costs associated with closing the deal, such as closing costs, which is usually 1% to 2% of the purchase price. Also some minor stuff such as inspection and whatnot that you need to pay. Inspection, a lot of times, it will cost you a few hundred bucks. All right, so that's it. Is it doable? Definitely. So go out there and start cutting down your monthly expenses. If you eat out every week, cut that down to once every two weeks. If you drink Dunkin's, Starbucks every day, stop that and go out there and buy a coffee machine and start making your own coffee. Because at the end of the month, that three, four bucks a day at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts equals over $120 a month or even $150 if you throw in some donuts and whatnots there. I guarantee you all, if Dunkin's or Starbucks made it so that we can only have their products for, let's say, $120 a month or even $70 a month membership and eat there unlimited every morning, you wouldn't do it, right? Because $70 a month is a lot of money, correct? Yet you are spending over $120 a month because you are not realizing 3 to $4 every morning adds up. So cut those morning coffees. Cut those takeout. Cut eating out for six months straight or even a year. Cut buying the newest gadgets. Who cares about the newest iPhones? Your phone still works. Why do you need the newest one to just impress people? No, you don't need it. Cut that. 
cut buying clothes every month. I don't remember the last time I bought clothes for myself. <laughs> cut buying brand new stuff and see how your financial situation will change a bit. On top of that, if you have a second job too, second jobs that you can do on the weekends or something, trust me, you will be able to do this. Remember, once you do your first deal, it starts snowballing from there. So please, if you have what you can sacrifice to reach your goals, to financial freedom, then please do it. It's worth it. The last points I'd like to discuss are where to find these properties, the importance of location, how to know how much the rents are in that particular areas and whatnot. So once you know of an agent to use and have your pre-approval on hand or even before that, start browsing on Zillow, Realtor.com and stuff and start familiarizing yourself with what's out there. I personally usually analyze random stuff on there throughout the month and play a game to see how much it will be sold for. I'll write down my numbers, come back at some point to see how much it was sold. That helps me understand how to analyze deals. It helps me get better at analyzing deals so that when I find a property that I'm interested in, I'm ready and already, I'm already confident in my ability to analyze deals. So look on there for what you want, whether it's a single family. Single families can work too. You can house hack the heck out of it. That should work so great. Look for duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes. If you want anything bigger than that, you'll have to go to LoopNet. LoopNet.com has more of commercial, bigger deals, more than five units plus. They do have some smaller units as well, but mainly bigger units. So you won't find really big units, more than more than four units on Zillow or Realtor.com. Maybe here and there, but it's not really common. I really like Zillow, the Zillow side, because you can even do minor calculation to see how much your down payment will be and so on. You can see the property history, how much it has been sold historically. You can see taxes, last year's taxes, and many other useful information. Once you find what you want and analyze it to ensure that the numbers work, then send it to your agent and you all can make an offer. If the offer is accepted and it's under contract, then bam, you all will do inspection. Ask your agents to refer you to an inspector he or she have used. Once you have their company's name, etc., always Google them, even if the agent refer referred you to them. If they didn't refer you to anybody, just Google inspectors in your area and call one that have the highest positive reviews with many reviewers than others. Call them and schedule an inspection. Inspection usually range from a couple hundred to, to 700 bucks or so, depending on how many units we are talking about. But please, one thing I'll tell you folks, beginners or most people out there, please, please, please never waive inspection. In this crazy seller's market, people are waiving inspection as part of their contingency. Please do not do that. Because after inspe inspection, you can always renegotiate re the price. It's a great time to renegotiate. Also, the other thing you have to keep in mind during inspection, make sure that you are there and you are not at home at work. If you, you're working that day, take it off and make sure that you are there to ask the inspector tons of questions. Pay attention to major ticket items such as how the foundation looks. Foundation is a big, big issue. So make sure that if it looks like there, it has some cracks or just anything that makes you question even if you don't know anything about foundations you can tell sometimes about something if you have that feeling so ask them about that does the basement leak or show any signs of dampness does it smell weird pay attention to that check how old are the water heaters and the furnaces uh check or ask them how old the roof is 
ask them are there any plumbing issues those are major major things to look at major things to look for because a lot of times investors of beginners tend to just look at the paint oh it's painted nice so it's good. no the basement is the heart of the property right the paint you can switch that you can switch the paint and whatnot but the basement the roof those are really big ticket items so make sure that everything in the basement looks good or at least decent enough the roof is in a decent a decent shape and whatever else then you can start looking at the other stuff and make sure no matter what to renegotiate the price after inspection there should and there's always something wrong with the home i've toured so many different homes brand new and old all of them have issues there's no home i've ever checked that is a hundred percent perfect so make sure that you bring even if it's some stupid stuff yeah use it to renegotiate the price and once everything is set the inspections looks good maybe just minor stuff then you're all set if it doesn't come out great or if there's just so much that needs to be fixed and you don't want a lot of work on your hand or if they refuse to reduce the price to your expectations that's usually a good time to bail out and get out of the deal but if everything is good with the inspection and you are comfortable with the result then you can wait for the mortgage folks to work on their end with the underwriting aspect of things etc and usually in 30 to 45 days you all can close and be done but just circling back a little bit before i forgot i forgot mentioning something earlier and it's very important few major things to keep in mind even before you start looking for a property number one is location 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 loca location is very very important in this business because like i've said before we are trying to make money four different ways here in real estate you're not just trying to just just cash flow no we are trying to make money through appreciation as well we're trying to make sure that this is a good investment that will increase in value right as we know other way we make money through real estate is through appreciation which means the value of your home increases so you folks out there buying in a desirable area will help your home appreciate in value and be like pepe how do i know if i'm buying in a desirable area look at sites like on sites like citydata.com or neighborhoodscout.com there you will get income data crime data schools job market job growth and you'll have a feeling of the kind of tenants you likely to you likely have those information will help give you an idea of how good a neighborhood is right so make sure that you look into that the other thing i'd like to discuss is have a rough idea of what rent is going for in that area look on craigslist zillow and so on and see what similar properties are renting for you can also check on facebook marketplace that will give you an idea of how much money you can make out of it the goal is to have somebody pay for the mortgage and all the costs associated with the property you can also go on rentometer and see rough estimates of rent in those areas once you know those info buy properties that fit that criteria and income you are looking into generating make sure that you stick to the criteria you create for yourself stick to your criteria anyways this has been a minority landlords podcast 
thank you for tuning back in today next week we'll be focusing on how now you have a property what's next or what i call landlording 101 until next time stay hungry thank you for listening to minority landlords podcast please like and subscribe and leave us a rating on itunes so that we can reach as many people as possible we will appreciate it if you tell your friends and family too about the podcast also visit us at minoritylandlords.com